Welcome to the Team Church Podcast. In just a moment, you're gonna hear a powerful conversation between Pastor Kevin Gerald and Pastor Charlotte Gamble from Team Church Conference 2022. In this conversation, they explore the powerful role of a Sherpa. Now, unless you're an avid hiker at Mount Everest, you're probably not familiar with what a Sherpa does. But earlier in conference, Charlotte spoke about this important role and how their primary goal is to ensure that hikers make it to the top of that mountain. But before we join this conversation, we wanted to let you know that this concludes season three of the Team Church podcast. We wanna thank all of our guests this season. We wanna thank Pastor Kevin and Pastor Brandon and the many hands behind the camera who bring this content to you. We're gonna take a couple months off and come back in 2023 with a bang. We have some exciting updates and some special guests coming in season four of the podcast. You know, we do this podcast for you. So if you have any content ideas or requests, please let us know. You can email us at info at We wanna make sure that the content that we create helps you build teams that build a church. Okay, let's join Pastor Kevin and Charlotte's conversation. Welcome to Team Church Podcast. We're here today with Pastor Charlotte Gamble, and uh, I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for being a part. Of course. Have you ever been on a Team Church podcast before? Nope. First time. Okay. Maybe my last two. <laughs> we'll Might see be. how it goes. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Me and you have been on some podcast things mm-hmm. together. Yeah, we okay. have. Because I'm remembering that. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. And... You have just spoke on a message that is definitely going to stay in people's memory, right? <clears throat> Here at Team Church Conference, and you talked about the Sherpa. You want to give us the exact title? Searching for Sherpas. Searching for Sherpas. And I'd like you just, if you would, to say what that is and what you mean by the word Sherpa. Well, Sherpa is the term that's given to a group of people um, in the Himalaya region that they actually are a group of people that are known because they take tourists, for want of a better word, or explorers or wannabe, you know, conquerors up Mount Everest, but the Sherpas are the people you never hear about, you never see them take a selfie on the top of the mountain, but it's their whole life's journey is to get people to where they want to be, to get them up the mountain in safe, you know, in a safe way. And so that's their job, that's their role. So it's not only, as I'm sitting there listening to your message, it's not only that you're able to go to the top of the mountain, Mm -hmm. a Sherpa is a person who's actually helping other people to go. And there's a brilliance in that that I want to unpack a little bit, and we'll just talk about general leadership uh, today. But I'd like to tell everybody, first of all, and let, let everybody know a little bit about your background in that you have served in the local church on a team, and then you have also been the leader, the, the lead pastor of a team. And you are now also, probably as much as anyone else I know, you are involved with and on location with a lot of church teams across the world. 
and I would say a large part of what you do, many people know you as a speaker, which we all respect, and, and you're a brilliant communicator, but uh, a lot of people don't know how much time you invest in building teams that build the church. And so it's so appropriate to have you here in, in that context today. As I listen to you talk about the Sherpa, um, something came to my mind, and that is that as a pastor for many years, I have often struggled with the idea or the, I, I guess we'll call it a frustration, of me feeling like that I have a lot of people who are helpers and people who I can count on in terms of their loyalty and their commitment to the church. When you start describing those Sherpas, what stood out to me is that there are the, the best kind of people, it feels like, on a team for me, is when I have people that actually go to the, they go higher, and then they help other people go higher. So they don't stay where they were before they started working with me, and they change mentally, they change, their thought processes change, their skill levels change, all of that gets higher, and then rather than holding on to that, they actually become Sherpas themselves, and they take other people higher. What I wanted to ask you, and where I'd like to start, is I think that there's a tension in a person that I'd like to, like to address. There's a tension in a person who would say, you know what, I give my heart to this church. I give my time to this church. I love this church. I, and as the church grows, oftentimes, that person can not be good enough, for lack of a better word, because the church is growing in a way that you need them to shift over from being doers to being delegators. And from knowing, knowing how to go up the mountain with you and carry things alongside you to actually being people who take other people up the mountain. Now I've talked a lot, but I wanna lay the groundwork to try to say what, what is it that you would say to us today in terms of that tension and people who are in that spot perhaps on a team today? Um, that's a lot of context, so let me jump in and we'll see where it takes us. I think there's a couple of things that first come to mind. I think number one is people need to know that there's permission. I think if you don't make it clear that, that there is a permission to become a Sherpa, people could almost feel like, well, you know, if I do that, it could look like I'm, I'm bringing division. If I, you know, if I try and take a group up this. So I think there's got to be a conversation with the people in your team. Hey, the idea is that you're going to follow me. We're going up this mountain. I've shown you the mountain, but we're going to do this a few times together. And then I need you to go. A Sherpa goes up the mountain with one group, brings them down the mountain, but then they have at the bottom of the mountain, another group waiting to go up. A Sherpa doesn't take the same group up the mountain all the time. That would just be you know excessive with that group that group of being up the mountain now they come down now he's going to get another group and so it's having the discussion that they know first of all that's one of the things you know is the permission that you're giving in the parameters you are I think the other thing I would say is a lot of people have created um 
you know, you say by default or by design, you've created e e either you're aware of it or you're not aware of it. You know, when we take our kids to Disney World, and we've been many, many times with our kids. You know, over the years, I've watched as they've developed a two-line system. There didn't used to be a two-line system at Disney World. There was just one line. And you get in the line, and you wait with your group, and you go on the ride. I think we created in the church a two-line system. And the second line that Disney introduced was called the single rider line. And the single rider line means you can just go ride the ride as many times as you want. You just jump on. You're not thinking about anybody else. You're just having the experience. You're riding the ride. You're having the thrill. You're doing the adrenaline. I think we created single rider lines in the church to keep people excited and energized. But the problem about single rider is you're a single rider. And so you never go in the longer line which requires a lot more patience and a lot more consistency and a lot more time and a lot more effort because, you know, you have another option. Hey, well, I could do that and that would be better for the group and yeah, that would help me, you know, ride with everybody else and it would be a better experience. But hey, you also created a single rider option. And so, you know, if you're asking me which is more exciting and thrilling, I'm gonna choose this one every time. And so I think you have to be honest with yourself in your leadership where you've created that problem that is now a problem for you and you can't get mad if people are doing you know I'm going to release my album mm. I know the church are doing an album but I'm going to release my album I'm going to write my book I know I'm going to write my curriculum I know this was the curriculum but you created a single writer option because you wanted to keep them excited about the journey and so I think it's it's navigating that and it's not that you're trying to prevent them from getting out what's in them but what you're trying to teach them is we're not supposed to be single writers and I, would, I ask this question all the time when I'm training staff and teams. I have a whole message I did on it, but I ask all the time, who are you in line for? So in other words, I went to Disney with my kids when they were little, and I would spend hours in lines that were of no benefit to myself. <laughs> like, I spent hours in line waiting to meet a fake princess. I know she's fake. She knows she's fake. Like... I don't need to shake the hand of Ariel, who's not really swimming underwater. When she leaves us, she's got feet, I can see them. So, you know, like, 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 it doesn't, I don't need to be in this line, but here's the thing. If I'm not in this line, my kids will never realize the dream in their heart, which was to meet that princess. So I'm not in the line for me anymore. I'm in the line because of the younger people that are attached to so me. Oh, good. Wow. So I think you gotta, Ask yourself and ask your team, who are you in line for? Wow. Like, who are you in this line for? And, wow. if, and if all the answers come back to them, you know you've got a single rider issue. Single rider issue. People who like to go up the mountain on their own. Yeah, like the thrill of the roller coaster on their own. Yeah. The single riders are really annoying. You know when you've ever gone with your family and then this random person just sits in the seat and ruins your photograph because they went as a single rider? They're just really annoying. <laughs> I think we've got to flip the script about, about that. I'm it's, embarrassed to say that this analogy doesn't help me because I never go to Disney World. See, well, now you know. I need to. Now you know. You get a good message. Be you a go better Disney papa. <laughs> I think I've stand gone Stand in once, line for things that are of yeah, no benefit to yourself. <laughs> stand in line for somebody else. You got me under conviction now. I'm, so, so do you feel like that in, the, in your travels, today in the broad spectrum of the church? Do you feel like there's some, uh, do, you, do you hear 
things that are repeated from one setting to the other, maybe new struggles that we're having, new challenges that we're having, uh, in terms of building teams especially, is there anything that people mentally now, I love, I love the way you describe that to go higher, the way that you go higher is to stop going lower. And I wrote that down because I thought, you, you, that's go, you men, and I think you m- might be explaining it, but you, you go lower mentally. You, you go lower in your communication. What makes you think that you'll ever go higher until you switch gears and you think differently and you talk differently? And so brilliant. But in, in your travels right now, is there anything that you're seeing across the scope of the church that you would say to uh, the people listening to this podcast and the people in this room today, uh, some encouragement toward what we're feeling, what we're dealing with in light of pandemic and so forth. Yeah, can I, there's, there's a couple of things I want to say, and this is not the answer to that. I'm going to get to that. But I want to just say, because I really feel I need to say it, I'm not an itinerant ministry. I don't have problems with people that, you know, I want you to know that, like, like I'm a builder. What Kevin said at the beginning is what I've given, you know, all my life to. I'm a builder. Some of you are in a place where you're confused or you feel like you've not got as far because you don't know the difference between blessers and builders. And, and if your team is in a season where you're trying to build something, you need to be bringing voices in that are building voices that speak the language of building. And we need to model to our church and to our team and to our leaders the value of a builder because a lot of people are attracted especially right now after the season we've had to leave the church and go itinerant and do their thing because who wants to lead the church who wants to be in that mess you know what I'm saying like where are the exits on this airplane I want to get off like there's a lot of get that going on and so I think we've got to get back to I, I think that is one of the trends I see a lot of people are like well I don't like the church and I don't want to and the church don't appreciate me and, and and I love the church. I am passionate about the church. The way I help the church in this season looks different, but, but my commitment is to the car, the church. I think one of the things that I've noticed from traveling is that um, I think there's just been a lot of artificial height. So things that we thought were high, <laughs> because platforms will give you elevation, but height is revelation. You know, going back to Disney, I'm gonna get all my messages from Disney, so double convict you. I remember, you know, that there was a ride that our son wanted to ride. He was only like three at the time. And he's, I mean, he was here last night. He's six foot two and he's only 16. He's a tall boy. So, you know, he wanted to ride the Tower of Terror, which is not a ride for a three-year-old boy. But he wouldn't leave my side and he wanted to ride the ride. And I kept explaining to him, this is not a good ride for you right now. You're not ready for this ride. It's not good. Like, you're not, he would have none of it. So I had a genius idea. When we get to the queue, the end of the line, the Disney employees there and they have a stick and they measure the kid. And the Disney can kill the dreams. They can say, you can't ride this ride. So I'm not the bad guy, right? The Disney employee can be the bad guy. So we get there, I put him down. I failed to realize I'd mohawked his hair. And they didn't bother to put the measuring stick on actually where his head was. They measured his artificial height. So they said, you can ride. 
So he gets on the ride and he's completely traumatized. The door shut, he's screaming, he's terrified because he was not ready to ride that ride. So let me tell you what happened. For four years, now he is ready. Now he is tall enough. For four years because of the trauma of riding something too soon that he was not ready to ride, he would not get on the ride that now he could ride. And I think what's happened in this season is we've had a lot of people that had artificial height and then a crisis hit and then a pandemic hit and then stress and striving hit and what we saw on elevation we thought could handle the disturbance and the problem and the pollution but the artificial height was not ready for this ride and now a lot of leaders have trauma because they should have never been on that place with that microphone in that position and now they've stepped off the ride which if they'd have had the measuring right in their life we wouldn't be in this place mm, so good so good I think accepting that though, you know, it's pastors that when people are traumatized or people are affected, as I said already in this conference, I talked about the wounded pastors and the fact that leaders who are in church leadership are often times um, hurt and seriously damaged and don't have anyone to go to and anyone to talk to. Um, I think though, in a time like we've been in, there's a, there's a, it's difficult to discern actually what we should keep pushing past and, and when we should pull ourselves or others out of that game. You know, do we play hurt or do we need to heal? And I think that is, when, when we talk about the artificial height and we talk about things that have happened, I, I feel for people who have actually been put on stages or artificial height by other people and too quickly, and people who have, who have been promoted and people who are in places where they actually now have an exposure in their leadership, there's an exposure of some kind. And, and that exposure has created this hurt now, this damage that they, that they have. And so I just think it's a challenge in discerning that is all I wanted to say. I, I, I think that we're here today talking to teams and I feel like that there, there's, oftentimes there's not a real handle on what's actually happening and where people have been affected um, and how they've been affected. But back to, I think, what you said. Let me just ask you this. If you were, if you were right now in a scenario where you feel like there's been some sort of uh, artificial hype, as you called it, or there's been some sort of a, what would you say to a team member who feels right now damaged, hurt, out of, you know, out of sync, um, not functioning well, they know they're not their, themselves. What, what would you, can we take a minute and you just talk to that person for a minute?
I think you have to say, you know, stop the ride. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I need to, like you said about your staff in the session earlier, which if you're listening to the podcast, you have to get the messages from the conference because Pastor Cameron was talking about, you know, you come to a point and you said to your staff, hey, turn your phone off, you know, step away, you know, and I think there comes a point where you have to just say, because the thing is, a church is like a, it's like a train, it's moving, you know, and, and so you, sometimes you've got to pull the emergency call button and just go, I just need to stop a minute, not even just for your sake, but for all the sake that are, of the people in the carriage with you. I mean, that's the mindset we've got to get, we've got to get into our, and you hiding it and you saying, well, I'll just, you know, muddle through and I'll be fine actually doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody else that has to watch you muddle through and pretend that you're fine. And, and I think if we, would, if we would say earlier on, hey, I'm stuck or hey, I need help, then we could get the bleeding under control instead of you bleeding out. And, and I think, you know, you've got to think about the long term. Like, I remember, honestly, I remember being at a conference a very large conference, influential conference when I first, I mean, you have to, I'll back up. I was from a very small church in a very, you know, very small-minded community, which is where I grew up. Our church was probably about 400, 500 people at a time. It was a church that told women they should have their head covered to speak. Um, I was not allowed to get up and do what you see me doing now. Like when people see me like, all right for you, I'm like, you have no idea of the private battles I've had to battle to even have a voice. But anyway, all that to say, God's got a sense of humor because the second time I ever spoke outside my local church was I got an invitation to speak at the Hillsong Conference. This is going by like 20 plus years. I think that's one of the places our paths crossed. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, at that time, that art... I don't want artificial height. I need to know that I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to be. And I remember God saying, I am only calling you to be who I've called you to be. I am anointing your authenticity. That's what I'm anointing. Stay authentic. Stay authentic. And so I got off the platform going, listen, what's the worst thing that can happen? They'll never invite me back. I'm cool with that. This is a long flight anyway. You know, it's how I rationed it in my mind. I was like, I'm not... But the weirdest thing happened. Then all these pastors were like, oh, where have you been all our life? Will you speak at my church? I'm like, this is a thing. People like come and ask you to speak at their church. I had no clue. I remember this one pastor going, listen, he was an American. Sorry, but he was. He goes, listen, you are really hot right now. Like everybody wants you in their church. Like you are really like popular and hot right now. And my brain didn't have time to engage, to filter my thought that came out of my mouth. I said, sir, can I stop you there? I intend to be hot for the rest of my life. (laughs) My point being, in answer to your question, I was not trying to do a sprint. This thing's a marathon. And you train different for a marathon than you do for a sprint. And some of you are hiding your hurt because you're frightened you'll get demoted. You're frightened they won't put you up to preach. They'll frighten they won't empower you. And, and you just see a sprint and a finish line. So I can't tell you that because I might miss that opportunity. And I'm telling you, I'd rather you miss that opportunity so you can have that opportunity yeah, than yeah, fake yeah, it yeah, in yeah, this yeah, moment yeah. and miss that moment. Wow. So good. So good, and I just feel like that's ministering to people um, as, as we talk about that, as you share that, because I think a lot of people in ministry, um, we, we, we have the impression 
that we just need to hide things and we need to, you know, push it under the, the rug. And, and, and I would hope that everyone who's on a ministry team, I would hope that you would understand that the value of being on a team is that we care for each other and that we consider one another and that we do these battles together. Like you don't, you know, whether the battle is just like a, a you know, a football team um, you don't do your team justice if you're a quarterback and you have, you know, broken hand and you don't want to tell anybody. That's not helping the team. It's, it's, not, it's not helping the team, you know, if you're, if you're a lineman, but your back is so out of whack that you're in severe pain and you're not going to perform well. That, that doesn't hurt your team. So sometimes serving your team and serving your team well actually means getting well now or not going, like you say, short-term hurting more but playing the long game. Right. Like and you it's said. teaching it's teaching your team. Um, you know, you've got to teach your team how to address those situations. If it's n- if it's never brought up that you can say those things, if it's like having a family and no one can ever say that they did anything wrong or no one can ever you know, you've got to have a healthy culture where it's okay to say, Hey, I'm not doing okay in this area or I'm stuck so that people don't feel, Oh my gosh, if I say that I'm the odd one out. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, there's a story in Kings and it's just a great story. Take it, preach it, you know, give the message away. It's a message I preached called Death in the Pot. And I do it with a lot. I spend a lot of my life staff training on people's church staffs. And one of the messages I always do is death in the pot. And I, and I illustrate from this story. And it's a weird story. The prophet comes to teach the younger prophets. So Elisha comes to teach the younger prophets. They're gathered around. They're hungry. It's a time of famine. He says, hey, let's make a stew. Everybody throws stuff in the stew, which is team. Everybody's throwing something in the stew. Let's make a stew, okay? And then all of a sudden it says one of the younger prophets eats and shouts out, hey, man of God, there's death in the pot. Well, first of all, you need a team that when they taste what's in the pot, there's, a, there's an okay allowance for someone to say, hey, I don't know, there's death in the pot. I was just in that department and it tastes off. There's something in the pot that doesn't feel right, doesn't taste right. Like we have to say it. If you, don't, if you, have, a, if you have a thing, a pact of silence, let's not say it. What you're saying is you'd rather more people eat the poison than you actually call out the pollution. Here's, here's what I want to say. This is the wisdom that we've got to get to. When, when the younger prophet says there's death in the pot, the older prophet doesn't freak out, doesn't go on a rampage of who put it in. It says he pulls out some flour, throws it in the pot, and says it's all good now. And if we can all get better at carrying flour in our pocket, if we can figure wisdom out that removes the poison, because here's what happens when we have death or or a fallout or something happen in the pot, what we do is we throw the whole pot out, throw the whole department out, the whole idea out. And we've spent hours and weeks and months working on something and one taste of the death. We're like, well, just throw it out, start again. And the enemy was like, great, that's another year of your life wasted in that area. What we need to find is flour where we go, okay, no one eat it, but I do have flour. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to approach it. This is what's going to happen. This is who's going to ask for forgiveness. There's flour and we save the stew. If we could just get to the place with our teams where you can call the death that's in the pot, but we also can save the stew, I think we get a lot more people fed. Fantastic.
Fantastic. Okay, we're, I want to I wanna get one more thing in here, and that is back to the Sherpas. And I want to I wanna just ask you about, you know, this going up the mountain and being licensed to take people, qualified to take people. And I'm talking about leadership, basically, versus the, the idea that you can carry bags or you can help a Sherpa. Becoming a real Sherpa, okay, uh, someone has to entrust you. Someone has to really say to you that I believe that you can do this. The second thing that has to happen is that the people that are going to go with you, they don't go with you unless they trust you. They, you, you can't lead people who doubt you. And so there's, an, there's that ability in Sherpa in that, that and, and you talked about searching for. So, so I would just say in, in your life, my question to you would be in your life and what you've observed, the, everyone maybe isn't supposed to be a Sherpa. Would you, would you agree with that? When we talk about searching for Sherpas, we're not just saying, is there a volunteer? Right, you're, look, you're looking for, you know, like I said in, earlier, you know, the Sherpas, they're even physiologically different. Like, they actually have a bigger lung capacity. They have a thinner bloodstream because they've lived at a higher altitude. And so I think, you know, what you're looking for are people that live at a higher altitude, whether you've asked them to go to a higher altitude or not. That's why Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, you know, don't let people look down on you because you're young, right? Don't, but, but that's where all the young people stop reading the scripture. That's not the full scripture. It says they're not going to look down on you because you're young because you need to devote yourself to scripture you need to apply yourself to the reading of the word you need to be prepared in season and out of season so you're looking for the people that did not wait for you to say i see in you a sherpa but they already are feeling they want to breathe a different air they want to talk a different talk they're the people in the room that walk away from the trivia and they're drawn to the treasure that's in the room they walk away from the from the gossip and the criticism and you watch you watch people's social media feed you watch how they comment you watch how they carry themselves in their life where no one seems to be knowing what, you know what i'm saying you watch those things and you'll know whether they are built to go to a higher altitude mm. or not so, love that. Stay with me a minute. I don't want to. I want to just get enough. We get direction on this. Is because I do believe that I need to endorse, solidify, and encourage everyone listening to this who is not necessarily called to leadership, but you are a. So I I, I differentiate this, it, between leaders and managers, and I tell people if you can and are called to lead please lead but not everyone who loves the church serves the church cares for the pastor works hard really committed is actually supposed to lead some are more the management level and i think that's what a lot of injury like you said has happened a while ago and I want to just validate people um, today who you are serving your pastors. And you are a great PA, or you are a great manager, you are a great 
you are you are like a workhorse. Like <laughs> you are, and you cannot be replaced like by by somebody who has their aspirations to be a leader. I don't want to validate both in the sense that I feel like that it, it, it all boils down to you're either helping and serving a Sherpa or you are becoming a Sherpa on the Sherpa's team. I call it leading like a team. If you get a team of Sherpas, now you got something going on. And when that begins to happen, I feel like that that's where um, God can really use us in our flow and in our role. Um, and you said it so well when you said, look, so this would be to the Sherpas or to the leaders, look for people with more lung capacity. Look for people with that, that those things. What else did you say there that? I don't know what I said, but I can, t- I can just, uh, yeah, attitude. I, th- I think one of the things I would say as well is, and maybe this is just a word as we close for someone that's listening to this. You know, I've been through a season, you know, in my Sherpering where I realized, man, just coming back to the thing about some are great PAs, some are great, you know, when was the talent God given, gave you not enough? Like, like he gave some one, he gave some two, he gave some three, he gave some four. So when was what he gave you not enough? What, who were we to tell God he gave us the wrong allocation? All God asks you to do with your one is something with your two, something with your three, something. And I think if we would get our eyes off everyone else's talent and get our eyes onto what you could be the best one in whatever area that God has asked you to be a one in. And so I, you know, I, I think some of us um, confuse two things, and I'll wrap up because I know what time's gone. I think we confuse um, our capacity and our ability. Like God has made us all built for a certain capacity. That's what you're saying. Some are leaders, some are managers. The problem is that a lot of us are filling our capacity with our availability. And you've got to get back to your capacity is filled with your ability. And then you're going to feel the reward. If you're doing that one thing all day long that you, God made you great at, you're filling your capacity with the gift that he made you great at. But if you're filling the capacity of your life by just being available to try this and do that and try and be that, you're going to feel unfulfilled and don't measure up in any area. So just if God made you a capacity of this many, then, then focus on that ability and fill the capacity with just that ability, that ability, that ability, that ability. That's all I do. I said to Kevin in the break, I'm like, all my life I've just served, I've served the local church and I'm, I'm, my personality is I'm a helper. So I just want, I'm like, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? That's all I do. So I'm filling my capacity with helping. But if I was to think, oh, I'm going to fill my capacity with writing this and having a podcast and doing this. If that's my gift, then great. But if not, I'm just saying, hey, I'll just, I'm so available. Yes, I'll come here. Yes, I'll do that. I'm going to confuse myself and at the end of my life, not feel I actually grew what I was supposed to grow. So, so maybe some of you need to look at your capacity and then look at your availability and make sure you're not confusing those two things. Let's give Charlotte Gamble a great big thank you. Well done.